You're listening to the Farmyard Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Farmyard. It's a movement, have you heard? And our Patreon supporters. Episode 24, Milk Crate Farm with host Linda Borgie. Hello, everyone. How are you? Linda Borgie here from Farmyard. It's a movement, have you heard? So how have you been? I've been so busy back on tour. And, you know, our tagline, so to speak, is, it's a movement, have you heard? But I am so ready to change that tagline to, you are just one seed away. So I want everyone to know that, that that you're all just one seed away. That's all you are. And many have asked me, one seed away from what? And my immediate answer is everything, because you really are one seat away from everything. And that's what I want to talk about today when we're discussing milk crates aren't for milk anymore. So uh, I am traveling, and um, I am currently in Edgewater, New Jersey, in my sister's third, uh, third floor apartment. And if I look out the window, it's really early right now, but uh, in the daylight hours, there is the Hudson River and the New York skyline and the George Washington Bridge. And I'm planning on spending some extended time here, like the month of December, so on and so forth. So here I am, and I've been here for, I think, about four or five days, and already starting to get itchy on wanting food to grow here. Where can I grow food? Now, I did start a little uh, mini farm, mini garden for my sister on this property, three stories down and outside. But I'm really used to having um, food right outside my kitchen door. And now I'm in an apartment, so my brain is kind of like pondering, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And the first thing that popped up was... Because there are some windows here that face east. Not sure if we'll get enough light, but sure with a uh, with a grow light we could um, we could help it out. You know, first thing that came to mind were milk crates. Now, why would that be? I mean, is it milk crates for milk? I remember as a child, the milkman delivering the milk. He had the milk crate and he put it in the box outside the insulated box. You know. And um, there are many people today that are using milk crates for mini farms. Yeah, you heard me right. Milk crates for mini farms. Now, why? Why would we do that? Why would we want to farm in a milk crate? Why would anyone want to farm in a, in a milk crate? Okay, I'm going to give you a few examples. I'm going to give you the example of myself right now where I am. I have these windows. Now, you know, the windowsills are up a little high, and windowsills are so narrow. I mean, you know, even if you, I just line that up with garlic, I get some green garlic, but nothing of substance, you know? And I want lettuce. I want greens. God, if you ask anyone in Walker Valley, New York, they're the ones that nickname me the lettuce lady because I love lettuce. I just love it. So what I would do in a milk crate mini farm is I would take a milk crate 
either square or rectangular. Now, look, you're not going behind stupid market buildings, you know, clipping their milk crates. That's not the purpose. You go on Amazon and you decide what milk crates you want and you purchase them. So my first milk crate would be turned upside down. And depending on the height of the window, so with this one, I'll need two milk crates turned upside down, stacked one on top of another. And then the third one on the top would be right side up, meaning the opening is facing me, you know, if I look down. So now I don't even have to bend in order to plant, harvest, do whatever I'm going to do in that milk crate. So I'm in an apartment, the windows are, window sills are high, and I'm able to get those plants to the level of the light, the natural light that's coming through the windows. Now let's take another situation. Let's take a situation of the elderly, you know, or individuals that are handicapped and in wheelchairs. What better way to bring the work as if it's right on a table for them, Right? No effort, effortless, effortless growing. So I went around and I Googled milk crate mini farms just to get as much in my head because I had studied them a while back, you know, about 10 years ago is uh, maybe even longer when they first started and went where they seemed to have first started from my introduction to them were in big cities and What was happening in big cities with these vacant lots, right? Not only vacant lots, but lots that are waiting to be developed. So developer has a lot, and he's got all the plans, the architects, everything's ready to go. He knows how how much it's going to cost him or her. But the first thing that they have to do is get that flagship tenant that first retail tenant that's going to sell the rest of that building. And sometimes that vacant lot could sit there a decade waiting to get that flagship tenant, okay? And when that flagship tenant is is retained, then they start the building. But in the meantime, in the middle, we can farm, we can grow food, we can plant... A mini farm with milk crates. Now, they did this in cities as well, where the land is the earth beneath their feet were contaminated. And the, uh, to remediate that soil was not really worth it for the urban farmer and the developer, the per- person that owned the land, you know, the owner of the real estate, really wasn't too concerned about the soil just worried about, not even worried, just focused on the monetary gain for the building that they were going to be putting up on that piece of land. So if you take that situation and put up a mini milk crate farm, I'm having trouble saying that, mini milk crate, mini milk crate, M-M, those two M's. (laughs) You could put that farm up and then when the land was retained, you know, when the, uh, the owner said, okay, the farm has to go. All you'd have to do is put it all in a truck and take it to another location. Some of the statistics that I had read was a mini 
milk crate farm of 4,000 milk crates could be moved by two people in one day. So God, would you think about that? You know, then, my, then I let my mind start to wander. So now I am a mini milk crate urban farmer. And because I look at New York City out my, my living room window now, you know, I say to myself, okay, I have this, I have this a lot, right? Now let's say that I had lettuce growing because that's what I like to grow in my whole, you know, 4,000 milk crate mini farm. And I'm in New York City. And I'm selling, uh, you know, I'm selling greens. And now there is not only a threat, but we're going to get a hard frost. Now, these are all hypotheticals, folks, right? We're going to get a hard frost. And it w- it's coming out of nowhere. And it's going to last for two nights, right? I know that my milk crate farm is going to die. The whole thing, my whole crop's going to die with a hard frost and lettuce. So instead of, you know, saying, oh, well, what am I going to do? That's nature. No, I'm going to get a U-Haul. I'm going to rent a U-Haul, and I'm going to take my mini milk crate farm and pack it up and stick that U-Haul in a garage. And when the the frost is over, go right back out there and uh, set it up once again. Now... The reason that I'm telling you this, the reason why I'm podcasting about a milk crate farm is because I want to show you different instances where anyone, anywhere, can grow a portion of the food that they are eating. And that's really the purpose of Farmyard. For everyone to take a certain amount of responsibility for what's going into your digestive system. Because once you do that, I know that your whole outlook on food is going to switch. I know that the 50% of the food that we're throwing in the garbage, sending to the landfill, is really going to be, be reduced greatly. And it all can happen from two milk crates, one turned upside down, and one turned right side up. So let me give you the very, very difficult instructions on how to create a milk crate. Uh, you know, that's, that's good for growing in. And everywhere that I read, they used landscape fabric. And what you could do is you make a pattern out of the landscape fabric. And it looks like a cross, a big cross. Each section of the cross being one foot if you add the square. Now, I'm basing this on the square milk crate, not the rectangular. So the square milk crate. So you you would cut out a big cross with every section, including the center, being one foot. And then, after you've cut that out, then you can either sew those sides together or you could staple them. Now you've made a box, a one-foot square box. And that's the liner for the milk crate. In a couple of the um, uh, YouTube videos that I watched, they actually stapled the top of the uh, landscape liner to the top of the, um, the milk crate going around the top edge. So you wouldn't lose any soil or water going in between. 
you know? Now, me, I always have to think about what's in my waist stream, and I don't like landscape fabric. I don't have a relationship with it. I'm not fond of it. So what else could I use? And I'm going to try this out. And if anyone else on that's listening to the podcast wants to try it out with me, let me know how you made out, and I'll let, I will uh, update you on how I made out as well. What I'm going to try doing is, what I'm going to do is line the milk crate with a newspaper. And I'm going to have that newspaper cascade over the side. And I think I'm going to do seven, five to seven layers of newspaper. You see, newspaper is in everyone's waste stream. And landscape fabric is, you know, available at big box stores in the, in the garden center. So I love using things that are in the waste stream. Now, so you've got a square. You've got your milk crate lined. Now, you're going to put soil in the milk crate. Now, I'm going to tell you, every single picture I saw of the soil that they were putting into these milk crates, I could tell were commercial potting mix because it all had the vermiculite and perlite in it, you know? I will not use any of that. I will use compost. Or there is a soil that I purchase. And because I'm in uh, Bergen County, I now can purchase it here because they do have a distributor here. And that makes me so happy. And that soil, the name of that soil is Valfi. And that is spelled V as in Victor, A-L, F as in Frank, E-I. And that is a family-owned business, and they're located in Canada. And I have been using this bag soil forever because it's the forest floor. Sometimes you open the, uh, the bag and there's, you know, the beginning of moss growing in it or some greens, you know, something growing. It's the soil is alive. And soil that you purchase at Lowe's and, and Home Depot and big box stores, you know, commercial soil is all pasteurized. And if you know anything about the process of pasteurization, pasteurization kills everything, all living things, which is, I I don't know, it just drives me nuts. It's like an oxymoron because, you know, you go to the store, you buy the soil, you put it in a pot, you plant your seeds. Now you're attempting to grow, right? In something that's not alive, that that medium, that soil, there's no life forms, and there's no microbes, there's no little wigglers, there's nothing there. So of course you have to use artificial fertilizers. I mean, you can't, you can't. A seed's not going to grow without any food at all. So it's just an oxymoron. But Valfi soil is alive, and you can call them. Um, you know, just I'll give you the information on how to reach them in the show notes. And uh, you could call them and see if there's a distributor in your area. And if you're lucky like me, yep, there will be. So you put the soil in, right? So you put this beautiful soil in, and then you plant your seeds. Now, I was a spin farming small plot intensive trainer and speaker. 
and that is the method on how to grow food and earn money. And everything in my head is based on those principles. So in spin farming, a bed would be two feet wide. So in my mind, my mini milk crate farm here in the apartment has to be two milk crates wide. And then I will plant five rows of lettuce in those milk crates. Or this time of year, I will be growing pea shoots. Yeah, because pea shoots are 10 days from seed to belly. 10 days. You put the seed in the ground, put the seed in the milk crate, and 10 days later, it's on your plate. Yep. No, I'm not kidding you. (laughs) And what does it taste like? Tastes like a mouth full of peas. So if you don't like peas, don't grow pea shoots. But if you really like peas, then please grow pea shoots and I will give you the information on where to get the seed. In Canada, mums, M-U-M-S, sprouting seed. Dwarfed gray is the variety. So I will grow those. And you can grow them too. Now on the windowsills, can't put milk crates, but I can put small pots and I can stick garlic in there and have green garlic all fall and winter long, right? So I will be giving you new adventures. I'm eyeballing a roof here um, that I could see from the bathroom window. I see a roof down below. And because my brother, my baby brother, Dean, owns the building, this roof would be available to me in the spring to start a milk crate farm. Yep, mini milk crate farm. And it's a, a full, full, full exposure. So I have no problem with the sun and the hose is right there. But what I will do first is I will measure that roof. And then I will put it all on paper. Yep. And then I will ponder it the whole winter long, buying the seeds, getting ready, because this is the time. This is really when you do your gardening for the spring. Right now it starts, today. Today it's October, it's almost Halloween. You guys must be saying, what the heck is she talking about? Everything is in the planning. Everything is in the planning. And now is when that planning begins. You know, as I was harvesting my seeds from my uh, urban farm in Beaufort, South Carolina, I was already thinking about the following season. Yeah. And that's what I'm here to do. That's what Farming Arts here to do is help you out <laughs> with your growing so that everyone will be growing and will be able to change the situation. Get out of this food train wreck that we're in. Yep, Rooney. Well, that's all for now, Brown Cow. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Farmy Arts Podcast. I want to thank, thank, thank our Patreon supporters. Yep, special shout out to Stuart Lundy, who is one of our patrons, to whom we had a beautiful workshop on the 20th of October 
uh, you know, preparing and making the Biodynamic Preparation 500. Thank you very much, Stuart. What a great workshop that was. And to all the rest of our Patreon supporters. And if you would like to support this movement, please do so. Go to Patreon and give us a pledge. Make a pledge. Become a patron. Help us to, you know, get this podcast out every week and to put gas in the car, to keep the tour going and to keep us encouraging everyone to convert the 48.5 million acres of turf grass into food. That is the purpose. And of course, without saying, we want to do this, we must do this, we will do this biodynamically. Such a great time to be alive. Very exciting stuff. Well, I will catch you on the flip side. And until then, go farm your yard biodynamically because you are just one seed away. Next on the Farmer Yard Podcast, Gardening with Children with host Linda Borgie. This podcast is community supported. We thank everyone for tuning in. And a special thank you goes out to all our Patreon supporters. If you enjoy our content, please subscribe and share. You can help support us through Farmyard, all one word, on patreon.com.